been a busy week. Everybody back to school. Uh, one of those weeks that we, uh, the weekend, started tidying the house a wee bit. Um, cleaning the place up. Uh, but I'm rubbish at handy jobs. I'm sure everybody knows that. If you know me at all, like I'm just rubbish at... Uh, I think I'm better actually than I let on, but anyway, that's that's another that's another story. That wasn't a, that wasn't a joke, by the way. That's true. Um, yeah, but so there was a lot of stuff needed done. It was a busy week, so I got a handyman in, and uh, got a handyman in, and I gave him a list. A lot of stuff needed done, so I gave him a list, numbered them all, and handed it to him, and uh, and came back later that day, and he had only done. Numbers one, three, and five on the list, which I thought was really weird. But it turns out he only does odd jobs. <laughs> I don't care if you don't like that, I love that one. Um, you wouldn't pay for handyman. <laughs> <laughs> Neville only charges tea and coffee. That's, he's cheap. He's a cheap handyman. Um, we, uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, rhythms and routines and schedules again. Uh, I think it, the summer reminds me of how ill-disciplined I can be and how much I need the routines and the rhythms of life to to function really well. Um, so I'm, I, I find myself like as we start out uh, the first Sunday in September, just really. I'm really excited, I think. I'm really enthused about um, what we're going to be sharing over the next number of Sundays. Um, it's, it's, taken a, it's taken a look at the, at the gospel. And, um, and I love what Lila shared last week. And I think what Lila shared just underpins everything that we, that we want to talk about, even as it comes to speaking of the gospel. Because I think, like... Like many things in life, we can become incredibly complacent. Um, we can become so used to the story that has been handed down. We can become so used to, especially in a in a place like Northern Ireland, a religious country like ours, you can be so complacent about the gospel. You can become so complacent about the good news. I suppose as we uh, as we as we go on over the next number of Sundays, I, I, my prayer for myself actually, this is my my prayer for myself and for all of us is that we would just be rejuvenated again by the good news. Like there would be something that we would catch about the scope and the wonder and the beauty of the gospel that would just do something transformational within us, within our neighbours and within the world. Because the gospel, the good news, is it, it's everything about everything. It, it, is, it, it, it is good news for us, it's good news for our neighbours, it's good news for our world. And we want to talk about that. And in some ways, the, the great thing, or, and in some ways the challenging thing, is that it's so big, the scope of the gospel. It's so big and it's so cosmic, yet it's so, it's so close and it's so intimate and it's so personal. I suppose over the last, maybe even the last number of years, as we've witnessed all that's going on in our world, especially when you're gathered with church leaders, very often, and I had this experience a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, people need the gospel. And I believe, and I wholeheartedly believe that. I say yes to that, we do. Sometimes as the conversation goes on, you realize that maybe you're, 
I'm not sure that we always mean exactly the same thing. Um, and so we wanna, we're going to talk lots about the good news. So I'll be encouraging you over the next number of weeks that you would even just find yourself in the, the gospel, just find yourself in wherever, take your pick. Just embed yourself in the, in the gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Um, because we'll go there and we'll pick up stories. We'll pick up how the the good news of the of Jesus transforms, um, how it transforms people, how it transforms relationships, how it transforms the world. And and that idea where I wanted to go this morning I was telling Judith last night. Felt uh, I knew where I was going to go all week, and then last night felt like I just wanted to go back to Genesis one. As we, as we lay a bit of a foundation, uh, to go back to Genesis one, and, and obviously I'll say stuff that you already know that is maybe repeating what we've said here before. Um, but yesterday, just found myself wanting as we as we take this on, take on this task of being rejuvenated and and being like captivated again with gratitude and thankfulness for this story that uh, we go back to the beginning. Um, so I don't love that because I really like like my notes and sticking to it and sticking to what I've prepared. So um, maybe that's a bit of a get out clause in case I fall flat on my face this morning. Um, so I have my new notebook and I have a Bible ready to go. And can I just make a public announcement that I cannot find my two Bibles, my NRSV and my NIV. And I'm really disappointed with that, but I have two notebooks that have went missing with them as well. And I'm really missing them. So if anybody happens to see, they were in a pile, two Bibles and two notebooks. Um, feels like the last couple of weeks have been missing a limb. But uh, So if anybody happens to see them, or anybody stole them, and you want to just like set them back, I'll, <laughs> I'll not, uh, there'll be no judgment. Genesis chapter 1. You'll be familiar if you want to follow in the beginning. Uh, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, we talked a wee bit about this uh, in our midweeks last uh, number of months back. Um, the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So I want us just to consider that for a moment. In the very beginning, darkness covered the surface of the deep. And there's a word that we, we talked about in our midweeks. That, uh, the Hebrew word for formless was tohu. T-O-H-U-W. Um, tohu, it was formless. Um, but it, its meaning meant, meant desolation. De desolation, despair, all of that, all of those type of words. That's what this tohu word means. So darkness is over the desolation. Darkness is over the emptiness. And then we're told that the Spirit of God was hovering over this. Into the darkness and into the formless, desolated chaos the Spirit of God is hovering over that. 
the, the, again, the, the language, the, what would have come to mind for the original hearers uh, over this word hovering was brooding, like a hen that broods over its chicks, ready, ready in preparation for new life. This is the picture. And I, and I just found myself, again, just, just being caught by that story. Like that is a really, really good news of a really good God. All of the other narratives that were around at this time, this God was different to all of the other gods. And so over the darkness, over the desolation and the chaos, the Spirit of God is hovering over that, is brooding over that, about to bring new life. And I think that's why I wanted to start. That's why I wanted to, to ground this here this morning. Is is that's what it feels like? Maybe in your in your personal worlds, or maybe as you witness what's going on in certain parts of the world, in certain places of war, in certain places of poverty, it really feels like this image here. It really feels like there is darkness that is that is that is covering the desolation. Really feels like there is darkness that is that is over the emptiness and the despair. And there's something about this picture at the very beginning, which I think threads right through the whole of the Bible, right through the whole of the gospel. This good news that even in the midst of dark darkness and emptiness, desolation and chaos, the Spirit is hovering over that. The Spirit is brooding over that, about to bring new life. And over all of that, God says in verse 3 of Genesis 1, let there be light. And again, I think this is where I want to go here because the, the people writing this, this is, this is, this is being penned, these, this story is being written by a people in exile. This is being written by a people who know what the darkness and the despair and the desolation looks like. And they know that it's taken generations for light to come, but they trust and they believe and they're, they're, they have the faith to believe that even surrounded by darkness and chaos, God speaks and there is light. And I think that is, if, if we were to engage with so many of the stories and the gospel narratives, that is the, the story of many of the people that we'll encounter. That in a place of darkness, surrounded by darkness, surrounded by chaos and desolation, God speaks and there is light. And it's good. That's good news. And we see how it's good news. And so um, it may take generations to come, as I've said, but God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, darkness does not overcome. Light always breaks through. That is the story from the beginning. And I think it is at the heart of the gospel. It's at the heart of this good news story that has been entrusted to us. And so he speaks. And as I think of situations, maybe in our own lives, as I think of situations that are going on across our world, is longing for a word from God, longing that he would speak. He speaks because when he speaks, he brings light to darkness. When he speaks, he brings fullness to emptiness. And that's what, whatever, wherever you're from today, whatever situation you're in, whatever nation or community you represent, that is where I think we all find ourselves. 
And that's why I want to root all of what we're going to talk about over the next number of weeks in that. He brings light to darkness. It may take a while to come, but darkness cannot overcome. In his kingdom, it can't. And he, we see it throughout beginning to end, and we still see stories of it today, how he brings light to darkness, how he brings fullness to emptiness. This was, was the song that I just um, as I thought about sharing this morning. Uh, the, the, just the song over and over in my head, which was a wee bit annoying because uh, it was just like one, one line from one song that I couldn't get away from my head. The spirit was brooding over the water, spirit come brood over us. I think that's the line. Um, so it's just been a repeat in my head and I really loved it. I was really inspired to pray that for you, but as the last 24 hours have gone on, I think if I heard that song right now, I would like pull the plug. Anyway, the spirit, but there's still something beautiful about that, that idea is the spirit was moving over the water, spirit come move over us. And so that's my prayer. And uh, So I'm not finished, but I'd just love to pause and just pray that for us. Holy Spirit, just in what we've, how we've introduced, I pray, God, that the good news, the scope, the wideness, the depth, the wonder, and the beauty of the gospel would just catch us once again. God would be in a way that we would just, we would just, like we're hearing it for the first time, that we're, that we're catching it again for the first time. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are, that you are among us. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that we have that sense of you, you brooding over us, about to bring new life about to bring new life, about to bring light in the darkness, about to bring fullness into emptiness. God, we almost just love to prophesy that this morning. In Jesus' name. Good news of this, the foundation of this continues, and um, let me read again verses I think you'll be familiar with. Uh, God said, after, after he had spoke, he'd set up the boundaries, he'd, he was making all things good, it comes to the, the pinnacle of his creation. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. I suppose, again, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to come back to here. I'm wanting to come back to this point as we think of the good news, because, uh, again, this is stuff, that you've heard me saying this plenty of times, um, there is stuff that we, for every one of us in this room, as friendly as much as, as we love and value one another, there's some stuff that goes on in our own lives that not everybody knows what's going on. People that we don't know within our community, we certainly don't know what's going on in their lives. But there are two things that we can agree with, with God about, about every person that we will encounter today and next week, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, is that they're made in his image. All of humanity created in the image of God. And all of humanity worth Jesus giving his life for. They are the two things that no matter what you can agree with God about, because that's how he sees every person, all created in his image, all bearing his image. And even more so than that, all created with the call, all created with the capacity to exercise dominion, to exercise rule, to exercise the, the authority to steward creation, to steward what has been given to us. 
male and female bearing his image. Women bearing the image of God equally, sharing equally in the call to exercise his dominion. This is really good news. I think it's really good news that all humanity bears his image. All humanity has been created with the call and the capacity to exercise dominion. That's why I know what happens in Genesis 3, but I think we can be, especially, uh, especially in, again in religious countries like ours, we become so familiar with original sin as if that's the start of the story. This is the start of the story. God spoke and he created men and women in his image and gave us the capacity and the call to exercise his rule, to be his representatives. Bearing his image means representing him on, on earth. And in verse 31, after God saw all that he had made, not just that it was good, but it was very good. And again, I don't want to bore you with the details, but the, the, this, the idea of very here, it's, the, the word is really, it's really forceful in, in the Hebrew. It, like it's very, very good. We uh, we could miss that maybe, but it is it is a forceful, um, forceful word. God saw that it was very good, and it's this word. The word for goodness is this word tov, t o v, tov, tov. Um, and speaking of that, I would recommend. I finished reading the book a number of months ago by Scott McKnight called A Church Called Tov, and um, really, really good book. But this idea of Tov, this idea of goodness, it does not only refer to the object of, um, it does not only refer to the goodness, sorry, it does not only refer to the goodness of the object itself, um, but it also refers to the ties between things. The idea of Tov, it's an inherently relational word. And so the Hebrews, the, 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 the Israelites, the Hebrew people, when they, under, they would have understood goodness, not just to be speaking about an object, but to also be speaking about um, goodness located between things. So they would have understood tov to refer to the goodness of the relationships between all things in creation. Um, so the relationship between humanity and God this was, this was what was good. The relationship with humanity with itself was good. The relationship between humanity and creation and the earth, the relationship between man and woman, all of that was, was very good. So it was not just the object itself, but it was the relationship between all things. There was shalom. This is where we get the idea of shalom, wholeness, fullness, all things restored, all things whole. We have a glimpse of what that looks like in the first couple of uh, chapters of the Bible. We get an idea of what wholeness looks like, what right relatedness looks like. And so again, I hope it's helpful. I hope it's worth that we, that we just build the foundation of what we're going to do over the next week, few weeks here. Because what the good news we want to be asking, what does the good news, what does the story of God through Jesus mean for us and mean for our neighbours and mean for our world? Because it's about the restoration of Shalom. Jesus has come to, like, to restore all of those relationships, to make all of those relationships that were broken made right.
So he's going to restore a relationship between humanity and God. But it's going to be so much more than that. With humanity in itself. Humanity and one another. Humanity and creation. And we're going to touch on all of those things uh, over, over the next number of weeks. Um, D.L. Moody was a famous evangelist and I really appreciate um, so much of what he did. But he had this thing about how he wanted to he, he believed he could make the gospel, the, the story of the gospel, fit onto a coin. And, um, and I just don't know what, I just don't know if that's possible. <laughs> and I don't even think, I'm actually, maybe push it even further, I don't even think it's helpful to try and summarize it into a bite-sized statement, to try and summarize it into some sort of formula or some sort of four-step program. I don't think a quick summary will get at it all. And so maybe there's a party who thinks, well, we could stand up here on some, this Sunday and talk about the gospel and then do something. But I think a quick summary won't, do, won't suffice. I don't know how long we're going to take in this, but I imagine it could be a long time because a quick summary won't cover it. And as, much as, we as much as we've tried, as much as we've tried to put it into a neat, nice little leaflet, and a nice little four steps along the Roman road. Or whatever. I don't want to be critic, sound critical of that, but we've wanted to package it. We've wanted to package it around certain facts and certitudes. Um, and it's so much more than that. And so I fully believe with many of my friends from different denominations that the very good gospel is what the world needs. And I suppose I'm just wanting to, to broaden the the scope of it. Because I think, again, if many of us have grown up in Northern Ireland, many of us, I think, have had encounters with church throughout our lives. And I imagine if I was to ask you, um, ask you, what is the gospel? I think the majority, self-included, would say that God loves us, but we were sinful. And we were separated from him. And Jesus came and and took God's anger from us because of our sins to pay the penalty. So that if we believe in his death, then we will get to heaven when we die. I imagine that is what most of us have inherited. That has been the gospel that has been presented to us. And so there's no part of me wanting to say, necessarily say that that's wrong, but it is such a, it's such a reduced gospel. It's such a narrow, thin gospel. And so over the next number of Sundays, we're just wanting to beef it out. We're wanting to thicken up our faith. We're wanting to thicken up our understanding of the gospel. Because what exactly was it? What exactly was Jesus' good news? I'd almost, I'd almost want to say it. Well, it depends who you ask. It depends who you ask. And, and, and I think if you were to go to your, every one of your gospels, I imagine... If it's anything like mine, the start of the start of Matthew will say the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Mark, the gospel according to Luke, and the gospel according to John. Depends who you ask. For John, it was the gospel was that Jesus became flesh. God came and dwelt among us. God with skin on, who gives us the right to become sons and daughters. 
That's the gospel according to John. If you go and ask Matthew and Mark, the gospel according to Matthew and Mark is that the long-awaited Messiah has come. The long-awaited Messiah has come, and this is what uh, this is what God's reign looks like. Because this Messiah has come to establish God's reign on earth. The gospel according to Luke, if you were Luke, if you were going to ask, uh, if you were going to the story of Luke, you will see over and over again that the good news, it's good news especially for the poor. It's good news especially for the oppressed. And so, let me just read the, this. Luke 4. There's other, we'll, we'll, we'll spend time looking at all of these Gospels according to, but the, I just love what Jesus did in, in the synagogue in Luke 4 where he picked up the scroll, found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor and proclaim freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So it depends, it does depend who you ask. Because freedom from sin looks different to the rich young ruler than to the woman that was caught in adultery. Good news, children who had been kept at the edges, and we talked about that a couple of weeks back. Good news, children, is that they, here is a king who loves to laugh with us, who wants to welcome us in, who, who, who enjoys our company. That's, that's what good news looks like according to young children. And so this story, this story is epic. It, the gospel story, it is epic, it is cosmic, it is massive. But it has been, if we were to gauge with the gospel narratives, we'll see that it has been entrusted to pregnant women, to smelly fishermen, to corrupt tax collectors. The gospel in all its cosmic size, that, who, that is who it has been entrusted to. That who is who it is good news for. It is good news for the whole world. It is good news for the whole world, but what makes it good varies from person to person. What makes it good varies from community to community. And so that's where we're going. Honestly, I, I hope more than anything else we've talked about, and maybe I'll say that about the next series that we do, but I think at the moment, more than anything else that we've talked about, I hope this like does something. There's a part of me that would just just wants us, and maybe this is self-indulgent, there's part of us just wants us to come on a Sunday morning, just like wanting to, wanting to get caught up in the story of the good news, wanting to be rejuvenated again by the gospel. It is so much bigger and beautiful than we have imagined or thought or been handed. And so we're going to keep talking about the good news. We're going to keep talking about its implications for us and for our neighbours and for the world around us. We're going to keep talking about what the good news has to say to kids in care what it has to say to young people who have had to flee from war, what it says to people within our local communities that are finding themselves just really lonely. It's, it's, about what, it's, about, it's about now. Good news is for now. The gospel is for now. It's not something that we, 
that we get whenever we die. It's not something we enter into or experience when we die. It's for now. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is here. And it is among us. 